going on? It's a special edition of Canucks Talk Draft Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd here, Bick Nazar, Randeep Janda in with you for four hours all the way until one o'clock as day two of the NHL draft is underway. Uh, we're breezing. We've already breezed through round two and the Canucks are just a few picks away from being on the clock with the first of Five picks in fairly quick succession here. They pick at 75. Uh, the Sharks just made a pick at 71. So the Canucks momentarily going to be up here. Uh, we are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. NHL draft coverage is brought to you by the Vancouver Giants, showcasing NHL prospect talents, including Samuel Honzik and Jaden Lipinski. Come watch NHL talent in action, go to VancouverGiants.com slash tickets. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. All right, so it's picks. Pick 72 is in, so only a couple of picks away from the Canucks getting up to the podium, guys. And uh, this is going to be fun because they've got about five picks in very quick succession here that we're going to be on the air to bring you. It's very exciting. That's right, and there's going to be, uh, you know, round two, you didn't have anything for the Canucks, obviously. Nope. They traded away that pick, but as you mentioned, a lot of picks, third round, you've got that one, but a couple, a three to be specific in the fourth round. And Jamie, on top of that, you got some players that are dropping that were oh, yeah. ranked in the, maybe that 40 range, 45 range. I'm looking at a, a few guys uh, specifically on the wings right now. There's a lot of wingers that mm -hmm. are available, but there are some names that are still out there. But you know what? There's some interesting defensemen that are going to be available uh, for from this pick as well. Caden Price out of the WHL is right. a really interesting one that I think a lot of people are expecting to go in round two, still on the board here, uh, as now the St. Louis Blues are getting ready to pick just before the Vancouver Canucks. Also, uh, Cohn Zimmer out of uh, Prince George, is big winger. It's very, very productive draft season for Prince George in the WHL. That's a really interesting name to keep an eye on. We'll see what the Canucks do. And then, of course, it's quiet night. Quiet night at the draft last night in a lot of ways. No trades. We've already had a couple of transactions here today. We'll see... If the Canucks do anything, how much activity there is around the league. We've already seen a couple of uh, pure salary cap dumps uh, early today in uh, in the second day of the NHL draft here. And, you know, I think one of the ones that the most recent one, as Detroit makes their pick, they picked up Killer Yamamoto, which mm -hmm. is a straight-up salary dump. Along and Clem Costin. That's right. Yeah. They get some depth out of it as well. Tells you the price of, you know, getting rid of salary, but, salary, but most notably also, guys, wingers. Uh, the valuation yep. for wingers right now is not very high. Yeah, and another one, Josh Bailey going one year left at $5 million. Uh, Chicago picks up a 2026 second round pick. So not necessarily when, you know, when you're pushing the pick that far in the future, not necessarily a huge price, but it is only the one year left on on Josh Bailey. It's an appreciating asset. Every year that goes by. It gets, it's an investment. Yeah. Chicago's <laughs> going to look at it and be like, oh, I forgot I had this bond. <laughs> And they're going to look at it and say, hey, found money. Fantastic. Found money. And if you're the Islanders, look, they clear something up, and uh, four years or three years down the road, they'll worry about that problem. All right. The, uh, they're good at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Canucks are on the clock at pick 75, and a, a couple of those names I just mentioned still there. So uh, as soon as the pick is in, we will bring you the update on who the Canucks have selected with their first of two third round picks then they have three and right now scheduled to make in the fourth round we'll see if there's any movement around the draft board uh rager texts in we need an all defenseman draft and there you go rager you you might get your wish because the canucks have selected defenseman hunter 
Bruce DeWitch. I'm 90% sure I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Hunter Bruce DeWitch, I believe, out of the OHL. Correct? Uh, with the Kitchener Rangers. With the Kitchener Rangers. Another and righty. Another righty. So two right-handed defensemen. And Hunter Bruce Dewitch, this was a guy, you know, I was mentioning some of the names that were expected to go potentially in round two who are still on the board. Bruce Dewitch very much fits into that mold. Very productive season with the uh, with the Kitchener Rangers. 57 points in 68 games. Six feet, so not huge, mm-hmm. but not somebody that you look at as an undersized defenseman necessarily either. But now look at the two trends between the two D-men. Very mobile. Yep. And if you're looking for how they're trying to build this out, even if you go back to what Pittsburgh looked like and if you will go back to what Carolina looked like under Jim Rutherford, mobility is king for these, like the number one asset that they're going to be looking for. And for them to prioritize that and where the game is going as well, how do you move about the ice? How do you stop gaps? And how do you control play playing from the ground up? That to me is the, 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 telling the first telling thing and organizationally need guys what do we talk about right shot defenseman mm-hmm. centerman and to your point jamie you go back and address that need on the right hand side one area that's a little bit different from tom willander who was selected yesterday in the first round as we all know uh, a little bit more offense mm-hmm. in in brustovich's game right this is a guy that did pick up those points with the kitchener rangers he's an american player comes from michigan and did play in the U.S. national development team as well. So uh, an interesting pick there where you've got, you know, once again, organizational need, addressing uh, a, an area that really a criticism of, for this organization in the past has been not going after enough defensemen, especially on that side. Well, they're addressing it today. Well, and I got to say, you know, I, I like the thing I really like about the pick is that, yes, it's a addressing a need, but it's also this is a this is a guy who was, could have gone much, much higher, right? Like, this mm. is not reaching to address a need. It's taking a guy with a lot of upside relative to this position, right? We got to remember we're in the third round here, mm-hmm. so let's not get ahead of ourselves. But just in terms of at this position, what value is there? And I think he checks that box in addition to the, you know, you're adding another right shot defenseman to your pipeline. And now, you know, they have the two, clearly the two far and away best right shot defenseman prospects in their system they've added on consecutive days here. Yeah, Central Scouting's got them at 41 for North American mm-hmm. skaters. So, yeah, not pushing themselves to just start to fill the need. It's in the range of where you would expect these guys to go. And, again, I, I just go back to – what they're trying to develop here. And no more is it about, and I know we're going to get into Will Ander and, and mm-hmm. conversations that happened last night about, oh, it's another Euro Levy. The, the, they're, they're buying into physical traits. That's the big thing for me too. And just finding guys you can move the puck to. Uh, right now we're going to go quickly to, uh, he is the scouting director for McKean's Hockey. He covers the OHL really, really in depth. I know I talked to him just a couple of days ago, uh, on maybe even yesterday. It all runs together at this point, but on Canucks Talk. But anyways, uh, pleased to have him back on the show to talk a little bit about Hunter Brustowicz. He is Brock Otten. Uh, Brock, thanks for doing this on short notice. Really appreciate it. And we'll get right into it. What kind of prospect are the Canucks getting uh, with the pick of Brustowicz here? Yeah, so Brustavich is a really highly mobile defender, a really good edge work. Um, that four-way mobility is sort of the key to his game, moving the puck. That's sort of what his main emphasis is. He's uh, really good at holding the offensive blue line, can be a power play quarterback. Um, if he's going to play, it's going to be as more of like an offensively oriented guy. But uh, his defensive game definitely improved in the second half as Kitchener sort of turned the corner too. They had a really tough start to the OHL season and he was kind of their most consistent player, even with some of those inconsistencies in the defensive end early on. 
I, I look at also, the, you know, where the game is going and how much is created off the rush now. And obviously you need guys that are capable of, of transitioning the puck from the back end. Uh, does his game fit exactly kind of where the NHL is going right now? Yeah, 100%. Uh, he's definitely sort of that modern-day NHL defender, right? Uh, using his mobility to escape the forecheck and, and start to play up the ice. And uh, the key, like I said, is just going to be whether he can defend at the NHL level, whether, whether that skill set can continue to improve. Uh, you know, playing with Kitchener, he's he's a late 04. Um, uh, had a little bit of a later development curve only because he had some injury problems when he was with the NDP and then moved to the OHL this season. And so... I think he's kind of still a little bit behind the eight ball there. So I think there's still runway for him to improve. And when you look at the player, there's one of the uh, the areas that, you know, that is transition uh, an area that he can really be a, a game changer, a difference maker for this team. If he obviously makes the NHL, but from what you've seen at Kitchener, is that one of the biggest selling points of his game? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like that is, that is the selling point there. And like I said, uh, his ability to hold the offensive blue line is really, really good. Um, one of the best in this class, in my opinion, at doing so. Uh, really, really smart inside the offensive blue line. Makes really great decisions on the point and when to pinch and when to just get pucks in deep or when to get pucks on net. Um, using that sort of strong edge work to, to evade that initial sort of pressure. Um, and then obviously, you know, like you said, the transition game and being able to, to start play up ice. Um, that's definitely the big selling point here. Brock, appreciate the time again on short notice. Thanks for filling us in. Yeah, yeah, no problem, guys. Anytime. That's Brock Otten of uh, McKean's Hockey and also uh, heavily locked in on the OHL, uh, helping us get up to speed on the latest Canucks draft pick, Hunter Brustavich. Apologies for getting the name wrong on the first try out of the uh, Kitchener Rangers. And just to give you some more context, on Bob McKenzie's final ranking, 44 uh, Corey Promen at the Athletic had him 58. I believe Elite Prospects had him at 52. So a lot of people projecting in the second round, and the Canucks end up getting him uh, with their first third round pick. Great value there, if nothing else. And what I like from you know the scouting report is that you heard hold the blue line transition, but one of the traits that he does have is making four checkers miss. Mm -hmm. And how little have we seen that from the Vancouver Canucks? And, and listen, this is a long-term project, but – that profile of defenseman that is comfortable on the puck, that profile of defenseman that has offensive ability but can get out of their own zone, if he hits, if this is a player that can turn into an NHL or an AHL player for that matter, it's nice to have guys like that, maybe similar to like a Christian Wolanin who maybe is not outstanding at what they do, but are they, you know, at that replacement level? Can they be more than that? That's what you're looking for on day two of the draft. Just filling in organizational depth, and you mentioned as soon as they made the pick, it's like, oh, he's immediately the second best right shot. Hundred percent. And and look, I know Jet Wu hasn't played, but he's already at a certain age. Where yeah. You think and if they take one the of the next pick, he'll yeah. be the third guy, right? It's, <laughs> it's just it goes to where the gap is for this team. And look, Randy, you mentioned like a Christian Willanen name. Yep. Even if this doesn't turn out to be like, hey, this guy's your number six guy. There, there's going to be injuries in a year. You need capable depth to be able to come up, and the Canucks have just not had that. And it's what submarines so many seasons. Not that we expect them to make the playoffs every year, but injuries have mounted, and you've you've asked players that are unqualified to take on huge roles. When you start to fill out that depth, 
and start streaming them in from the AHL. It's something that this team is, this regime has wanted to do as well to be able to look at and say, if we have issues, we are going to have the depth that under our tutelage are ready for this next step and put them in roles that they can succeed too. And you always want to try to go best player available, which is, mm-hmm. I think Jamie, you outlined, you know, where he is in a lot yep. of prospect rankings. So good value on the pick, but I think we do have to look at the left versus right where on the left-hand side, you do have some options that are coming up, right? And if you go further back in the draft as well, you've got guys that you picked up maybe a little bit later on, uh, but still could feature for this team. However, on the right-hand side, simply not there. So you do need some balance over time, and this is starting to address that. We'll see where they go from here. Is it more defense-heavy? Is there uh, value at the forward position? Is Do you finally tap into some wingers that we're seeing get off the board now? But as far as providing that balance, uh, you need to make that happen and a good pick from that perspective. And we are now very pleased to be joined here on Canucks Talk on Sportsnet 650, the latest draft pick of the Vancouver Canucks. He is a defenseman with the Kitchener Rangers, Hunter Brustavich. Hunter, first of all, congratulations. How does it feel to be uh, an NHL draft pick? Thank you. Yeah, it feels surreal. Uh, it hasn't really sunk in yet, but I'm sure it will soon, and it feels just amazing right now. Well, yeah, congratulations again, and thank you for uh, for taking the time to chat with us. Thank so, you. for for all the Canucks fans who are listening right now, I mean, what what uh, what would you say your strengths as a player are? Uh, I would say my IQ, my transition game, are my two biggest. I've always said uh, I like to set up my teammates and make the game easier for everyone. When we hear the word IQ, you know, is there a specific area in the ice that that you like to to showcase that? Yeah, no, I think I just you know, see the ice very well, and uh, that's definitely my strong suit. You know, the Vancouver Canucks, obviously a, a lot of skill in the back end, uh, whether you look at the NHL level or now coming up through the prospect ranks as well. Uh, what do you know about the Canucks? Did you have any discussions with the team, or was this a surprise to you? Uh, I, I'm not sure. To be honest, uh, I did have a discussion with them at the combine, um, but it was a, not a surprise. I guess I was just coming in here with no expectation, so uh, whoever drafted me was, you know, Get lucky, but uh, yeah, just have the combine talk to him, and you know, went from there. Uh, Dennis Weidman, former NHL defenseman, one of your assistant coaches with the Kitchener Rangers, and you know, similar like similar build, right shot defenseman, put up quite a few points in his day in the NHL. How influential has he been in your development uh, with the in in Kitchener? No, yeah, he was a he was a huge part of it. I've learned so much from him. Uh, you know, this year I didn't think I could learn that much from a from a coach but he's definitely been a big help and hopefully I can be with him more in the future but he was uh, definitely a big success and I thank him a big part of my success to him. Uh, so what do you know about the city of Vancouver? Uh, I, I know there's mountains and I like that but I know it rains a lot. <laughs> it's a green city as well so you know it has <laughs> benefits. Uh, a couple of your teammates at Kitchener uh, drafted over the the last year so Francesco Pinelli, uh, Carson Rakoff. Uh, any any tips from them after their draft year did you get any insight from the boys uh i mean just a few everyone obviously the you know the cliche one is you know just enjoy the moment i think that's always the biggest one that everyone tells you so that's the big one i took away from them and uh you know kept it with me uh hunter we'll let you go but it might be a little early for this but do you know if you're going to be out uh, out this way for development camp next week uh, i plan on it i hope they you know bring me out there as soon as possible and get this see everyone and get to see the city awesome well we're looking forward to it as well and congratulations again thanks for taking time to chat with us 
Thank you so much. That is Hunter Brustavich, the newest Canucks draft pick, right shot defenseman with the Kitchener Rangers. And you heard there uh, the talk, what he had to say about how influential Dennis Weidman, former NHL, longtime NHL defenseman, uh, who had some really good offensive years in mm-hmm. the NHL, was on, on his development this year. Yeah, and you talked about that size, six foot, and, you know, Weidman played at around 200 pounds, which is something that you could probably see with you Hunter as well. You project getting there at some yeah, point. He's yeah, he's going to add some size. He's going to add some uh, yep. muscle. But, yeah, this is, a you know, an NHL defenseman is your assistant coach at the OHL level. There's going to be tips. And this is where I like, you know, having those conversations, not only with the player, but also with the assistant coaches or coaches. You know, another example of that is at BU. That's Jay Pandolfo, who mm-hmm. played at the NHL a very high level, uh, you know, he was a, a Selkie candidate who was somebody that understands the NHL and the defense, uh, the defensive side of things. So there's going to be a huge impact on Tom Willander. Same here with Dennis Weidman and Hunter Brustavich. As we get ready for the next pick, too, uh, we were talking pre-show about uh, another D-man. Might be going. Caden Price. Caden Price. Caden Price going to Seattle. Yeah. Yes, I just saw. And that, w- that was a guy that I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. I would I would have said he's off in the second round for sure. Last this long, but does go to Seattle. He was playing in Seattle, was he not? Yeah. Was I, also I'm sticking cu- around in I, that market. I, I'm just curious now what the next focus is here for the Canucks coming up to pick uh, 89. Back to the decor. Well, it's interesting because everyone's saying, okay, hammer the defense, yeah. hammer the defense. There's another pretty significant position of need in the prospect pool, right? And yep. look, if you if they I have no problem. Now I know the uh, the Zimmer winger from Prince George just went off the board, but that to me if he was still there with the Canucks next pick, yes, he's a winger, but you look at the combination of production and the skills that he has, I would have no problem taking somebody with that upside on the wing. I still think you have to be mindful of upside. Having said that, at some point you're going to see the Canucks turn their attention to the center position here and they're going to be on the board in just a few more minutes at pick 89 we'll see uh if if that's the time they do decide to address it i think the interesting part of this guys is that you know in the first round you can kind of travel along with the pick you can understand you know a direction that a team is going on Mm -hmm. here i think second round and beyond especially the third round the prospect rankings, the rankings are all over the place. This is based mm-hmm. on a team list. It's a bit of a crapshoot. It's a lottery. Uh, you're taking a player that you see a little bit more upside. There's some teams that play conservative, but this is generally where you you go for that home run swing. Center would make sense, but if there's a winger out there that you really like, there's another right shot defenseman yeah. that's dropped, um, you know, further down. You're not gonna you're not gonna go away from that as well. So I think a part of this is is there a player that was maybe ranked in the 40s, maybe in the 50s? That falls down to where the Canucks are picking in, in well into the 80s. And can you pass that up? Because all of these guys are going to be at least three-year projects, right? The, yeah. The Canucks are on the board. Uh, a couple of guys, a couple of names that are interesting. As we talk about skilled wingers who have fallen, Jaden Perron fits that mold. Some, a lot of people had him in the second round, sometimes even late first round. But he is undersized. Another name I'm watching here uh, as the Canucks are getting ready to make another pick, uh, Hoyt Stanley. A, uh, another another right shot defenseman. Stop me if you've heard it before. From West Van. Played uh, with the Victoria Grizzlies of the BCHL. Didn't have necessarily eye-popping numbers in the BCHL. Decent. Uh, but six foot two again with a lot of those athletic tools 
uh, that you'd be interested in. So that's just a, a a name I'm watching here as we get ready to see who the Canucks have picked. And it is uh, Sawyer Minio, left shot defenseman. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe also with Seattle. So the, the Canucks dip into the WHL from Kamloops. So local product from BC playing in the WHL, left shot defenseman, six foot one, Sawyer Minio is the Canucks selection at 89, sticking with the blue line theme. This is the uh, the inverse 2019 draft. That was no defenseman. Right now it's all defensemen for the Canucks. And, and it needed to happen at some point, right? Can't be living off of sixth and seventh round picks to maybe hope they start turning into something. You need to start addressing the overall depth of this. And they bring in a couple of guys like a Hiroshi and McWard. Obviously, Hiroshi took a lot of the plaudits uh, at the end of the year. But you just need organizational depth for this. And not surprised at all for them to first three picks, righty, righty, lefty, start addressing the blue line. And I've always looked at defense as, are you raising the floor of your team? And this, to me, just offers them security. If they start developing some of these guys to start coming through, it just allows them to not the gives them the opportunity not to have the floor drop out on them mm-hmm. just for more bodies and now it's now comes the interesting part of actually developing these players but now you're using premium assets to start addressing these uh this this huge organizational need you have a, a player that's relatively local a few hours away from vancouver yep. uh, a few hours away from vancouver from a whl perspective just to to add a little bit of uh, context to his experience in Seattle, 31 points in 68 games last year, but physical profile, guys, six foot one, trending probably towards being a 200-pound cent- mm-hmm. uh, defenseman. Similar what to the other picks that the Canucks have taken, they're going for guys that are six foot one, six foot two in that range. So you're looking at bigger defense and maybe not monsters back there. But if you start looking at some of the rankings, uh, this is for the most part uh, a skater that was ranked further down in the rankings. Yep. He was not, you know, up there like a Brustowitz, right? So this is a this is a guy that you start looking at, I think Central Scouting had him at 62, but outside of the, you know, McKean's had him at 176, if I'm not mistaken. He was 62 for the North American skaters. North American yeah. skaters, that's mm-hmm. correct. Yep. And this is a player who, you know, you, you look at the scouting reports and it's, it's not going to be a guy who puts up a ton of offensive numbers. Mm-hmm. He's not going to run your power play at the NHL level, but he's also not a you know, a traditional old school defensive defenseman who doesn't have other abilities, right? This is somebody who is who pretty skate. good skate. He can skate. He can make an outlet pass. He can be more of the cerebral, intelligent, mobile defensive defenseman rather than the old school six foot four crushing guys in front of the net style of defenseman. Some diversity obviously required for, for playing styles. Well, and, and look, look uh, but a, a really good defensive defenseman who actually yes. doesn't put up stats like <laughs> – in a way, that's actually there's something really valuable about that because stats are still what get you paid. So if you want to find someone who's undervalued down the road, sure. that's a really good bet. But this is this to me now is more about again addressing need. Whereas we talked about like what are you can do at 11 overall pick, are they pushing for the ceiling in in this draft or are they trying to secure the floor? And that's kind of the point I was making earlier is like even at 11, I like to pick with Willander. But this draft, the way it's shaping out, is clearly they're trying to prevent seasons that go awry because mm. of injury or anything like that. And the, the, the issue that I might have with 11 and kind of have here is, are you trying to chase superstars? This is your opportunity to find cheap labor, and are you pushing for ceilings? This one, to me, strikes more about, hey, we're getting need. Now, I really like Willander, and 
I hope this player is fantastic too, Sorminio. But I do worry that if is it lending too far into needed. Yeah, mistakes. and that was the, the that was the difference between this pick and the Brustavich yeah. pick yes. for me, right? Where the Brustavich is yes. clearly the upside for is sure. there as well. Minio, I like him as a prospect. Would he have been there at 105 or 107 potentially? Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair a fair question to ask. And that's I, where the Canucks are picking next. Absolutely. And I think one thing we do have to keep in mind, I'm not saying there's more offense to his game, but he was on an absolutely stacked yep. Seattle mm-hmm. team that had, you know, offense for days, right? Whether you look at Kevin Korchinski, you start looking at Dylan Gunther, Brad Lambert, like this was this was an elite team in the WHL. Um, but beyond that, his profile is not one of an offensive defenseman. If you're looking at, you know, best case scenarios, you're looking at stay-at-home guys. Maybe like, a, you know, in an ideal world, he turns into a Chris Tanev. Like, that's essentially what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Not much offense to his game, but there is a guy that denies passing lanes, that can block shots, that is an individual that is going to be so responsible in your own end. Uh, so there you go. The Canucks have picked another defenseman, and uh, this is somebody you will be able to watch uh, come play mm-hmm. in Langley against the Vancouver Giants playing in Seattle. So he'll make the trip up uh, at least once, probably twice, I would imagine. I'd have to take, take a look at the schedule. But uh, there you go. And again, from Kamloops, so a BC boy getting picked by the Canucks in round three with pick 89. As I mentioned, that's it for the Canucks in round three right now. They're on the board three times in round four. Picks 105, 107, and 119. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back, uh, continue to break down what the Canucks have done so far, what they could be looking to do later in the draft, uh, and also talk about some of the things happening around the league. Get your thoughts in 650-650. It is a special draft edition of Canucks Talk on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to a special edition of Canucks Talk Draft Talk here on day two of the NHL Draft on Sportsnet 650. It's Jamie Dodd, it's Bick Nazar, and Randeep Janda here with you until 1 o'clock, bringing you all of the uh, Canucks picks and breaking news around the NHL. And uh, we are now very pleased to be joined on the line by the newest Canucks draft pick, picked at 89 uh, from Seattle in the WHL. He is Sawyer Minio. Sawyer, thanks very much for doing this. and congratulations on uh, being drafted into the NHL. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so you're from Kamloops. How does it feel to be not just drafted, but by your home province team in the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, it feels great. Uh, obviously, probably two or three hours away from Kamloops. So it's it's definitely cool. Uh, really important for you know myself and my family. Uh, you know, come all this way to go my hometown team, pretty much. Uh, you could call it uh, pretty cool. So who are some of your favorite Canucks then, if you were uh, growing up watching the Canucks? Uh, obviously the Sedins. That's probably when I was really young. But uh, I like watching Quinn Hughes lately the last few years. So he's probably one of my favorite D-men to watch. So. All right. All right. And your game is, uh, you know, more defensive we hear. Primary strength is uh, defense. When you look at, you know, NHL players of past or present, uh, who do you try to model your game after? Yeah, I like Duncan Keith. Uh, he's got to show slashes of offense when he can kind of like me, but you know, his, his defensive game and his work rates really, really good. Uh, I try to model my game kind of after his, uh, you were on a, a really, really talented and really successful Seattle Thunderbirds team this year that went all the way to the Memorial cup. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Just playing on a team that was able to have so much success throughout the year. Yeah, it was great. Uh, obviously last year we came up short too. We had a really good team last year too. So, we kind of knew what it took just 
just a little bit more than than what it did last year uh you know it just takes a lot of hard work takes a good tight group uh, all of us get along there in seattle so you know it's been great the last couple of years and i can't wait for next year you get highlighted as a defensive d man why does that uh, side of the game uh excite you yeah i don't know kind of just putting the team first uh playing defense uh not letting the other team score kind of a i'm more of a pk guy right now so it's kind of just what i like to do out there uh, and i like to do my role so do whatever do whatever it takes to make the team win We've talked a lot about penalty killing here in Vancouver the last couple of years, but uh, why do you enjoy penalty killing so much? And what makes you know that uh, part of the game exciting to you? Yeah, I don't know. Probably just blocking a shot or something like that. Uh, you know, the boys get up for it on the bench. You know, they appreciate uh, how I block shots and things like that. So it's, it's kind of just a, a thing to earn respect out there. Hey, Sawyer, thank you so much for taking some time to have a quick chat with us. Congratulations again, and uh, we'll we'll see you soon at development camp. Sounds good. Thank you. That is Sawyer Minio, selected by the Canucks out of the Seattle Thunderbirds in the WHL, pick 89 in the third round. And uh, you're already uh, putting uh, solving the Canucks penalty killing on his shoulders. <laughs> hey, ready. this is keep those ex- bump those expectations defensive up right defenseman, away. man. How are you going to get this team to average in the penalty kill when you get here? I, not even I, good. Not even average. Good. Hey, baby steps. I like to. Baby steps. I like to focus on traits, boys. That's what I was asking. About. Why do you like to penalty kill? And uh, if you look at his, you know, the, the conversation around Sawyer Minio, uh, hockey IQ, this is a guy mm-hmm. that is, defense is a strength. But one area, and listen, there's called prospects for a reason. There's work to do, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Skating. Skating is going to be the big thing with Sawyer Minio. Can you improve that? Can you, you know, uh, can you improve those mechanics? That, that's going to be probably one of the things that you're looking at forward of, you know, is he an NHL or is he not? Is Can you improve that skating? And by the way, Seattle... Uh, will be visiting the Vancouver Giants Sunday, December 17th next year, and also late in the season, Sunday, March 3rd. So if you want to do some scouting of yourself, of uh, the newest Canucks prospect, you can go get your tickets to the Langley Event Center for those games. Uh, all right, a little bit of news around the NHL. Yeah. So uh, the Blackhawks acquired Josh Bailey from the New York Islanders for a future second-round pick and then immediately placed him on waivers for the purposes of a buyout. Of course, the buyout window closing tomorrow so josh bailey will become a ufa chicago saying hey we got our price for you bye 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 you thought thought you were gonna play with connor bedard sorry sorry no you're not and then hoping to find someone that actually can tutor connor bedard uh they have acquired uh for a 2024 seventh round pick Corey perry from the tampa bay lightning now still have to work out a contract but i'm curious if that uh, does get resolved who is sneakily someone I wouldn't have hated to see you here in Vancouver. No, he's going to... Corey Perry? Yeah. yeah. Guys, in front of the net, he's probably going to get power play time with Connor Bedard. He's going to be, uh, you know, a net front player. And they don't have much talent right there. Uh, Athanasiu and Taylor Hall aside, like, Corey Perry's going to get some goals this year. Are they bringing him in, like, to be primarily Connor Bedard's landlord. You know what I mean? When the when the like young player rooms That's a great investment. Rooms yes. with the older player. It's 100%. Like, hey, we need that guy. Like um uh Wyatt Johnson with Joe Pavelski, sure. right? And you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. the thing that happens like, hey, we got got to get a landlord for this guy. I, I don't know, guys. Based on some of the endorsements that uh, Connor has, he might be living in a penthouse and Corey might be in like the the, the office slash den just, living with <laughs> with Connor. Just to be like the the pros pro. Yep. Corey Perry, a lot of people wrote him off years ago. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's uh, over. He can still play a role. He He's... can still play a role in a big way. 38 years old, going to turn 39 next season, and plays that role. And then think of all the mentorship aspect. And I know we, we scoff at it sometimes, 
but it, it's relative to what you're paying for that mentorship. If you're paying a future seventh rounder and a million dollars, sign me up for that every mm-hmm. single time. And, uh, I'm, because pretty, I, I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks have some surplus draft capital yeah, to play with. Sure. Yeah. Because there is real-world benefits to having someone to show you the, the, the way, how things are done. And it's not just, hey, someone that's made a career. It's someone that is one of the most phenomenal players yeah. we've seen here who has accomplished everything, who's extracted everything out of their ability. That's the standard you want to try to learn from. And, boys, remember 2017 when the Oilers played the Ducks in the playoffs. Remember that? And it was Connor McDavid, a young mm-hmm. Connor McDavid, his first real test against Kessler and Corey Perry. Who was in his grill the entire series? It was Corey Perry. Remember, Corey Perry was a thorn in his side. So uh, it's nice to have that guy on your own team rather than, you know, punching the the first overall pick in the face. Uh, so I think more than anything, just being on the front foot, you're not like Zegras was in Anaheim where – Maybe in certain games after Nick Delorey was traded, you're getting mm-hmm. bullied on the ice. That's a good position to have a veteran guy that can score some goals too. And uh, of course, they they brought in Nick Felino as well to, sure. to fill a similar uh, a similar similar spot there in Chicago. It's going to be really interesting to see what Chicago does with all of the cap space they have and how competitive of a team they can put around, basically on the cheap, taking salary dumps and and veterans like Corey Perry to insulate uh, Connor Bedard. And it should be pointed out, uh, head coach Luke Richardson would have been the assistant coach in Montreal Very good. when uh, Corey Perry was there as well. Uh, the Canucks, again, we are just flying through. We're into round four here. The Canucks are just a few picks away from being back up on the board. They'll have two picks in very quick succession. Uh, the Flyers are getting ready to pick at 103 right now. The Canucks are on the board at 105 and 107. Already added two uh, defensemen out of uh, the Canadian Hockey League, one from the O, one from the Dub, Hunter Bristavich from Kitchener and Sawyer Minio from Seattle. And we will see in just a couple of minutes here if the uh, if the blue line theme continues for the Canucks into round four of this draft. And you've got the Montreal Canadiens making an interesting pick there. Florian Jackye. Arbor oh, Jackye's oh, brother taken. Go. The Jackye brothers. Yeah, this reunited in Montreal. And Florian Jackye, not exactly a heavy hitter like his brother when it comes to penalty minutes, but he's got some he's got some punch to him, uh maybe quite literally as well, but 6 foot 2, uh, 180 pounds. but there you go, a couple of uh couple small. of brothers in Montreal. It's not small. <laughs> No, I know it's not. Uh, I was looking at the penalty minutes. Not his brother's he's, size. He's but not Arbor in terms no. of penalty minutes, but he's still a big boy. <laughs> well, he let his brother do the fighting. I guess he was like, you know what? I got back up here. I got my older brother. He, he's a pretty tough customer. Uh, yeah, that speaks one of two things: lets the brother do the the fighting, or he was beaten up by his brother. <laughs> one or the other. Uh, and actually, uh, also just before, as the Canucks are on the clock now, Cole Knubel goes to uh, Philly. Uh, so uh, a former his father, Mike Knubel, mm-hmm. uh, former Flyer. And the Canucks have made a selection here. Ty Muller, uh, most recently, I believe, I'm trying to find some uh, some information here on Ty Muller, a center, um, as we scramble here to pull up, uh, to, to get into the Google machine and see what the Canucks are getting uh, out of Ty Muller. That's right, NCAA prospect. So he played at University of Nebraska, Omaha, uh, 25 points in 34 games center. And he's from Alberta, so a, a little bit older. Yeah, so this is a 20-year-old, so this is a guy who's been through the draft a couple of times. Uh, The Canucks take a center from the University of Nebraska, uh, Ty Muller, with pick 105 in the the fourth round. I I always get a little nervous. D plus two guys, yeah. With the third time through the draft. 
is there more upside? Is there more value? Right? Because yeah, you know, it, it, like twenty five points in in thirty four games in the in the University of Nebraska, but this is a guy who's like a year away from being a you know, potentially an NCAA free agent that you could be looking at. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder now about the the upside that was left on the table here. And again, that's the prevailing theme all of a sudden here now through four picks of the upside. Now, the, the thing that has to make this work is better be ready to play meaningful, at least in the HL, like soon, immediately. Yeah. And be impactful with that as well. And so, the question I have there, guys, is this is a – you know, 20-year-old, uh, and is that one of the reasons they make that pick? Because they might be a little bit closer to that AHL level, right? And that's a position you need, the center position. Yeah, I, I understand that, but uh, I, I'm not sure the Canucks are in a position to be picking guys, especially in the fourth round, mm-hmm. based on how quick their timeline uh, to the NHL is going to be. Uh, so we had a center go off the board, but now the Canucks with pick 107 have dipped back into the winger market. This is an interesting one from Sweden. Six foot six. Large humans. Vilmer Ulriksson out of Sweden uh, being selected by the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, played with uh, Jurgarden, uh, with the in the junior league for Sweden. Had 21 points in 43 games. But the, uh, the highlight there, the first bullet point, six foot six winger. Vilmer Ulrichsen selected by the Canucks with pick 107. Yeah, heavy body, right? And mm-hmm. clearly they're they're up front when we've talked about uh, profiles of, of guys at Rick Tockett and they've chased. Yeah, you want some size and, and you want some players that can win against the wall. The wall guys, uh, are, are you chasing someone that can bring a bit of a, a beef along those walls? And I, I look at it to say six foot six. Again, it, it's the... Uh, Who's the guy from Detroit? Soderblom? Yep. Yep. Elmer Soderblom. Yep. Suddenly competing for, for height contests there and to try to uh, bring a little bit uh, bit more heft because there, there has been a little bit of a dearth of size for the Canucks uh, coming through the ranks. And everybody's draft list is different. Uh, this is pick 107 for the Canucks uh, based on a couple of lists. 94th among European skaters by Central Scouting. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that tells you that, and FC Hockey has him as at 193. So, you know, this is a guy that obviously is a home run swing. This is you know, that size. When you talk about being 214 pounds, six foot six, there are obviously physical attributes that you look at and say this guy could be a game changer. But this is where you know fourth, fifth round picks. Y- you try to go for the home run swing, and and this feels like one. But are, are these home run swings? Cause like when you go off the board, and look, I, I know consensus is consensus. Mm-hmm. And it's, not, it's, it's not always perfect. But to me, home run swings is going for guys that are potential superstars. Is this a home run swing to go off the board, or is it? Yeah, it, like de- the desperation. The, the winger Ulrichson, because of the size, I can see. I, I I'm not crazy about the pick, but I can see characterizing it as a home run swing. The Ty Muller pick, like that's not a home run swing. That's no. a low ceiling player, right? That you're selecting, unless you've seen something that absolutely everyone else has missed over the course of a couple of draft cycles. That's a low ceiling pick, which, and you know, a guy I mentioned, and look, I'm not an expert, but just looking about about the value and and the potential upside, Hoyt Stanley out of the BCHL goes right after to Ottawa at pick 108. So, again, the, the they have their draft list, and and we'll see how these guys pan out. But after some really interesting work that I liked a lot in round three, the first two picks in round four, I'm not sure the value is there. I I, I don't think the value is there to. Uh, to necessarily justify where they're taking these guys. And, you know, some of the conversations after the draft, we're going to, I'm sure, 
media in Nashville and whenever anybody from this station gets a chance to, to talk to the Canucks, uh, the danger of taking these guys too early or was there a risk of, hey, you're not going to get this guy mm-hmm. uh, at the next pick? And I, I start thinking about Ty Mueller specifically to 20 years old, right? Do you see something? And listen, they've had some success with you know, undrafted guys like Arshdi Bentz is one classic example. So you can scout guys, you can win that race, you can get that player. But this one, to to me, I, I agree with you, Jamie. I think that pick uh, is a little bit more interesting to me than than the Ulrichson yeah. one. Because Ulrichson, at least you can say, hey, there's something there. And if we wait for a next pick, he might not be there because mm-hmm. somebody else might see that. The pick 105, though, that's where I, I'm kind of left scratching my head a bit. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the Canucks will be on the board again, uh, kind of wrapping up this uh, this selection of five picks in pretty close proximity here. Uh, they're coming up for pick 119 probably in the next 10 minutes or so. So uh, Shorter we'll, than that. We'll, yeah, it's flying that, through yeah. right now. Yeah. It is fl- It is flying through very, very quickly. I think we're, we're at 114 right now, yeah, so it'll so be here in a minute. In the next few minutes, uh, we'll, we'll get the latest Canucks draft pick, but their first two picks in round four, uh, Ty Muller, uh, center out of the University of Nebraska, Omaha, and Vilmer Ulrichsen, massive six foot six winger uh, from Sweden. So they hit the defenseman. Mm-hmm. That note pretty hard in the first, uh, you know, three rounds of the draft with their first three picks. Now they start to branch out a little bit here and. Uh, We'll see. We'll see where they go in terms of position. If they're, you know, are they going to take a goalie for, uh, for Ian Clark to to mold here at some point? What what else are they looking for? And are they going to, at this point? Should we expect another kind of off the board pick? Like if they're already at this point on their board, yeah, it seems like we're probably looking at another off the board pick here at one nineteen. How they stack their board up, obviously, different going to be from yep. consensus, and 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 that's what's interesting about the second day, but. It seems like we're following a trend here of they're looking for specific things of um, how they view it. And and look, they've, they've obviously value things a bit differently based on, on what you're talking about, of, of the, the profile of UDFAs that they've brought in. Um, and I'm just looking at the inbox here, 650, 650. Um, this one coming in of you, you, you don't even try to get diamonds in the rough. Does this also speak to how far they're willing to bet on themselves of their development plan? Oh, 100%. You have to have, to go forward with this, you have to have supreme confidence Mm -hmm. in your scouting and your development. Now, I would argue that you can get, you know, if you're taking a player with a higher ceiling, that's better for your scout, your your development process as well, right? Like, yeah. you, if you if you believe so much in your development process, that doesn't mean you have to take guys who are off the board. You can still get really good value out of that with uh, with higher higher talent and higher ceiling players. Uh, by the way, we should mention uh, Vancouver Giants prospect center Jaden Lipinski being picked just before the Canucks step back up to the board here. Uh, the Flames, the Calgary Flames. So take Samuel Hanzik in round one and now dip back in to the Vancouver Giants, taking Jaden Lipinski with pick uh, number 112. So the Calgary Flames, they went from raiding the Vancouver Canucks now to raiding the Vancouver Giants <laughs> for talent. They continue the theme. Watch if you out. have Vancouver on your hockey DB page, the Calgary Flames are coming for you. I was going to say, watch out, Barkley Pernetta. I mean, you'll be getting a job offer pretty soon here based <laughs> at this rate. But in terms of um, Jaden Lipinski, yeah, center, big body. Uh, you've seen him play for the Vancouver Giants. And yeah, Sam Honzik yesterday in the first round, 16th pick overall. Uh, in regards to... One note on Mueller, though, right? This is a player that played at the collegiate ranks. 
you have Mike Komisarek, you have Scott Young, who are really focused on that area. Uh, Frank Golden as well is mm-hmm. somebody that the, the team has invested in. So the question of do you see something that others have not seen maybe in the last couple of years? They have invested in that area of the team, specifically monitoring and scouting you know, those collegiate ranks. We'll see. It, it's going to be something that you know, is, seems like a, a gamble, no question about that, based on the age of the player compared to. But you know, with maturity, has that player improved? That's something that I think is probably a question for guys like Scott Young and, mm-hmm. and obviously you know, Todd Harvey. Yeah, and we'll get a chance to uh, – Todd Harvey will be on, I believe, with Sat and Dan later today. And then, of course, development camp is coming up next week. Uh, we'll have a chance to have a lot of these conversations with members of the Canucks front office. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Vancouver Giants, NHL draft coverage brought to you by the Vancouver Giants, showcasing NHL prospect talents, including Samuel Honzik and Jaden Lipinski. Come watch NHL talent in action. Go to VancouverGiants.com slash tickets. And yes, Samuel Honzik and Jaden Lipinski, both now members of the Calgary Flames organization as uh, the Flames take Jaden Lipinski with pick number 112 in the fourth round of the NHL draft. Uh, The Predators are on the clock here at pick 115. The Canucks are coming up uh, with their final fourth round pick at pick 119. So just a few more minutes here. Uh, There's been a little bit more of a delay with the Predators uh, taking their time making this selection. Really deep in thought on pick 115 here. Call and timeout? Call and timeout? I don't know. But uh, we'll see if we get back to breezing through it uh, a little bit Well, you do get two timeouts on day two? I don't know. I, I believe you get I'm a timeout. I'm not closely yeah. monitoring timeout usage on day uh, two of the NHL well, draft. I'm just hey, saying, like, they, they do get timeouts. I was going to say, it's Barry Trotz's first draft as a GM. Maybe he didn't realize his yeah. list had to be that Bix, long. Bix updating his live spreadsheet of <laughs> how many teams have timeouts. Uh, can, can you trade a timeout on day two of the draft? Cap Future considerations? Can you trade timeouts? But uh, I will say, I... I uh, uh, sorry, I want you to highlight because we're just talking about upside, right? Yeah. So someone like Luca Pinelli just went at 114, mm-hmm. an offensive producer mm-hmm. from the OHL. Like this is what we're talking about. I, I, when people say like, okay, it's it's round three. How, how many of these yep. guys are going to pan out? Round four. How many of these guys are going to pan out? It's about finding guys that have actually produced. And c- can you take someone with high offensive upside yep. and then bring them along even more? Yeah, and teach them the other parts of the game. Yes. Right. But they have the baseline of skill then. And again, it's not that everyone who produces offensively uh, in the lower levels is going to be a surefire NHL player. Of course not. But you just look at it historically. The guys who have that track record of production are far more likely not just to be offensive superstars, but Mm -hmm. to actually turn out to be really good bottom six players even. Because you need a baseline of talent even to be a bottom six player. And and for someone like him, again, he's someone that plays with a high motor, gets after it. So it's not even just a a flair offensive producer. And this is where I think like draft theory can start to clash a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not just about, hey, how do we get these guys into our organization? It's also what's the best asset. Yep. Now, at, 100%. Pick, at pick 11, it's a different conversation. But at pick 119, I'm okay saying, okay, what's the best asset? What is the best thing for our organization that we could also monetize this pick, this prospect, in 18 months, two years? And what does it get us then? And I think the other part of the conversation is, especially when you're clumped up 105, 107, 119, and you, you're you going a little off the board, is there a move down opportunity, right? Can you, Okay, yeah. hey, you love those guys, but can you move down to a place where they're probably still going to be there and pick up some extra assets for yourself rather than saying, you know what? And now, again, it always takes a partner to trade with. I, I would say. The guy. I get that. Apparently this year we're not trading down. 
There's been like has has there been Chicago's a single? moved up a couple uh, of times, okay. right? Okay. So, so there have been a couple. I think Detroit did it there's with Nashville. There's been much less active than normal. Yeah, uh, there, there there's only been I think five so far today, and obviously yesterday there were none. So it it goes with the the, the trend of the draft that they haven't obviously done enough. Uh, to, and I do move around. I do see Nashville uh, yes. ended up trading that pick to Tampa Bay. Another pick. Well, this one's going the opposite way, I guess. The so Tampa gave all those picks to Nashville. There you go. For Tanner to know, now they, they get one back from it was Nashville. A, it was I don't a, know if it was originally theirs. It but. was a fourth-round pick uh, that they sent next year. All right. So uh, Tampa traded up to 115. Now the Red Wings are on the clock at 117. couple of names to watch here that, you know, according to Cam Robinson, who, of course, uh, does great work um, covering prospects, but ranked Alex Siernik 37th, has not been taken mm. yet. And Aram Minitian, who's 44th, has not been taken. So Siernik is a left winger. And Minitian is a right uh, shot defenseman. Siernik is, again, another guy, you know, you know they pick the guy, the, the Swedish winger Ulriksson. That's Siernik as well, playing in Sweden, yep. much, much more productive, right? And, yes, I understand there's the physical tools, but you just if you have the opportunity to take a guy who has such a higher percentage chance of hitting in round four – I just, I, I, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for me to to pass up uh, in favor of the uh, the massive project. But to your point, right, where are you making picks based on what you think they'll become for your franchise, or just taking the best player, and you can you can explore your options later on. Hey, maybe there's a if you all of a sudden, guys, in a perfect world, you have a glut of right shot defensemen. Guess what? You turn into the LA yep. Kings and use them for something else. If you yep. get lucky and every single one hits. So, you know, pick 119 is coming up now. They're on the clock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, that, as you point out, Vic, like asset value has to play into this. Yeah, right? and, there's, and, there's a cost. Even if you are so confident in yourself, there's a cost to taking players that the rest of the league doesn't like very much. Right? Because yes. then they're not that good. They're not good trade assets. And, and look, it's always best to, to, to develop internally. Mm -hmm. But you do have to appreciate the other side of this that, there is an asset value to this that how does the rest of the league view these players as well? Mm -hmm. And I'm much more comfortable addressing that style of it at this stage of the draft rather than first round. Uh, the Canucks pick at 119 is in another center, uh, another center from the, uh, the NCAA system, Matthew Perkins, selected by the Canucks with their final pick. In the fourth round, pick uh, 119 out of the Uni University of Minnesota Duluth is uh, is Matthew Perkins. And uh, again, a little bit older, already 19, born in 2004, left shot center, 5'11". Uh, and I believe he's going to be going to the University of Min Minnesota Duluth in the fall, played in the USHL last year with the Youngstown Phantoms. That's right, and he would have played on the same team and I believe the same line as William Whitelaw, who was picked by mm -hmm. the Columbus Blue Jackets a little bit earlier on in the third round. But mm -hmm. guys looking at, um, you know, as you mentioned, a little bit older, but he's listed as a very light, very light young player, 156 pounds. We'll have to double check that to see if that is right. Uh, but that's a that's a very lean young man. Yeah, from Saskatchewan, but playing say, in the uh, in the U.S. It's H a light Sasky boy. <laughs> well, I'm looking at elite prospects. They have him at 174. Okay, at some point he put on some okay, weight. Okay, <laughs> some he bulked up. A some whey bit. protein entered the system. But again, uh, like yeah, you have to say it. Another off the board pick. He was ranked 165th just in terms of North American skaters by NHL Central Scouting. And Alex Siernik, the the 
Guy who's falling, the productive Swedish Top 40 player, goes yep. right after pick 120 uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers. You got to have some real strong conviction uh, in a player, in three players, to to really you know go along those lines. And listen, that there's a you know a bunch of other teams that didn't take Sirnik as well. It's not just the Canucks, but you know going down the middle, picking up players on defense and center position is clearly a priority for the Canucks. We're seeing that right now, and they're focused on that. Uh, we will continue to break down everything we're seeing happen at the NHL draft. The Canucks have a bit of a break here. They're not back on the board until the sixth round. That is their final pick they're currently uh, slated to make. I got to be honest, I'm surprised we haven't seen more trade activity, not just with the Canucks around the league. We can talk about some of that, uh, continue to take stock of what the Canucks have done in on day two of the draft here. Get your thoughts in 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line uh, and more of a special edition of Canucks Talk on day two of the draft coming up here on Sportsnet 650.